joints reinvigorated and blood flowing back to your brain. And All right, please join me. If you have a Bible, of course, this scripture is going to be on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. I should have said, I should have read this 10 seconds ago before that young man made his way out the door. Children, obey your parents. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? That it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, to anger, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, we're going to stop there for a moment. What is the context of this statement? He's addressing children. He has already addressed us as individuals standing in this world. You go back to Ephesians chapter 1. What does Paul start with? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And he gave his son by his blood that forgiveness made came to us and now we stand holy and without blame before the holy God biggest problem solved biggest problem solved you stand before the holy God totally welcome he's got a grin plastered on his face you don't need to go to California Just stay right here young man okay right this is I got a bunch of relatives in California you don't really want to be there <laughs> We have, he has a grin on his face and he throws his arms around us happily. He is not holding his nose. Well, I guess I have to take the trash fish with the good fish. I threw that net out there. And no, he welcomed us. You wouldn't be in the kingdom if he hadn't gone after you, not with a net, but with a hook and a worm. One at a time, he made us his. And he is thrilled that we are his. God loves, loves mercy. God is love. He doesn't love us because we're lovable or lovely. He loves us because he is love. We're not lovable and lovely. He is love. And so he picks up the unlovable and unlovely and loves us anyways. Folks, that's the kind of relationship you want that is totally solid. It's all him and not us. It's all him, not us. And he's brought us into this relationship. And Paul speaks to us about, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, 5.1, walk in love, become servants of one another. 5.8, walk in the light. You were in the darkness, now you're in the light. Walk in the light. 
Walk understanding things as they really are, as God gives you the capacity to understand. Verse 15 of chapter 5, walk in wisdom. Make wise choices. Can I say, and I think Paul would amen this, live in the book of Proverbs. Live in the book of Proverbs. It really helps to just not do dumb stuff. <laughs> you know, can we say that? You know, if you just don't do dumb stuff, you, you save your shins. And then beginning in chapter 5, verse 22, address the issues of marriage. Wives, you are to respect your husbands. Husbands, you are to love your wives. He says first, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Verses 22 to 33. And now he goes on to children. What are children to do? They are to obey their parents in the Lord as the Lord directs you. It doesn't mean you only obey Christian parents. It doesn't mean you only obey those outside adults that may have helped to us. No, it means you obey your parents in whatever they tell you to do as long as it's not sin. Obey your parents in the Lord. And there is a special promise from God, a blessing on that child but also you, you fathers don't place unreasonable demands on your children that will cause them, frankly, righteous anger. Don't do that. And then beginning in verses five, verses 5 through 9, he addresses the issue of slavery. Now, as Americans, we look at this, well, okay, that's pretty distant from us. But around this world, ladies and gentlemen, there are more slaves on planet Earth today than there have ever been in human history. Well, how come we don't know that? Because you're not told that. Because the people governing the system that disseminates information don't want you to know that. But there are more slaves in this world today than ever in human history. Sexual slavery is rampant in this world. And you know what nation is the number one destination of sexual slaves being brought, especially from South Asia? The United States of America. We don't have slavery? Oh, yes, we do have slaves here. But he's addressing what was in those days legal slavery. People could own one another legally, just as they could in this nation until we fought a great civil war that cost the lives of 800,000 people to cleanse us of that sin. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ, as if you're serving Christ. Now, think about this. This fellow is a slave. And suddenly he's 
found freedom in Christ. He's been cleansed of his sin, and he has become the heir of forgiveness and of welcome into the arms of the loving God. But he's got this really unreasonable master who only sees him as a piece of property to be used in any way he prefers. And what does Paul say? Obey him as if you're obeying Christ. Now, do you suppose that temperament change on the part of a slave might capture the attention of the master? All of a sudden, this fellow who had been an unwilling slave becomes a willing, happy-to-do-it slave? Wow! Do you think that might capture the attention of a master? Notice how the behavior of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego captured the attention of Nebuchadnezzar. He owned everybody in the Babylonian Empire. So three of his, four of his slaves walked with their God, and he got converted. Pretty difficult regimen, but he got converted. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Why? Because Christ is in charge of my master. How great is that? He can't lay a finger on me without divine, divine permission. He can't speak a word to me without divine permission. He can't give me an ugly look or a pleasant look without divine permission. When you understand your God is utterly, completely in charge of the flight of every molecule and he loves you and he is your shepherd, that gives you outrageous freedom. Even though somebody else might call you a slave, you're not a slave anymore because your spirit, your temperament has been set free by his provision. And so you don't have to react to that person in the same way because you now have a defender who's really good at it by the name of the true and living God. In sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, not just trying to please them, but to please Christ, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And so the will of your master becomes the will of God. And can you do that from a full, with a full heart? Absolutely. With good will doing service as to the Lord. I'll tell you what, folks, that's not me. That's not you. But that is us in the power of God, the Holy Spirit. We cannot act like us. We can act like Jesus in the strength of his Holy Spirit. You know, I still have a fallen nature. I hope I'm not shocking you. I still have a sinful nature. I hope I'm not shocking you. And so do you. Oh, how did he know? Because the Bible says so, okay? I still have it, but I don't have to be controlled by it. I've got this internal devil's advocate <laughs> called the sinful fallen nature who's always screaming stuff at me as if it's me. He screams, he speaks with my voice, but I also am indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. And I can choose, and it's always a choice. It's always an act of obedience. 
against my feelings. The flesh is my feelings. I have to choose to walk in the Spirit. And then I get to be glad. That's a good feeling for the rest of my life because I went through that in his power and not in mine. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. When you set the table for your earthly master, you were setting the table for Jesus. When you were washing your master's feet, you were washing Jesus' feet. Whatever you are doing, you are doing it for Jesus. And he won't forget it. And at his judgment seat, which is a judgment for rewards of believers, he will, re- he will remind you of stuff you didn't even remember, you didn't think was significant at the time. If you give a cup of cold water to a cup of water to one of these little ones, it will not be forgotten. Mommy, mommy, can I have a cup of water? Sure, here. He's going to remind you of that. And he's going to say, okay, eternal reward. Something you didn't think a big thing of at the time, he's going to remind you of and give you eternal reward for it. That's what he says. Does God keep his promises? Yes, he does. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters, you Christians who are slave owners, do the same things to them. Giving up threatening. Stop using your old techniques to control. Giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Oops, I think I better treat my slave the way I want Jesus to treat me. Because the way I treat them is what's going to come back on me from him. And he'll, because he will say to me, oh, you think that's a good way for you to treat your slave? Well, let's see how you like it. He will, he will set your discipline, your correction in very understandable terms, unmistakable terms. You masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven. That's not just, that's, that's not just a statement of where God is. That's a statement of authority and power. Psalm 115, verse 3, Our God dwells in the heavens and does all he pleases. He is El Shaddai. He is God over the mountains, the the, the places of habitation of the pagan gods. He is over them. He is King of kings, God of gods, Lord of lords. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven, the place of power, of authority, and there is no partiality with him. He doesn't look at you with greater favor because you happen to have the title master. He doesn't look at that fellow or that woman or that child with disfavor because they happen to have the the title slave attached to them. No, 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 no. You are all image bearers of God as beloved children. 
and he values every single human being, every single human being with the same value. And I know I've shared this account, but it just amazes me when I think of it. A fellow who spoke here in this church, what, about four months ago, maybe longer than that, Kemper Crab, who, by the way, is back in Kenya right now. Is that correct? He's in his mid-'80s, and he's serving the church over in Kenya. And uh, But he was a number of years ago in India, and he was trying to save this untouchable child and get this untouchable child to a place where its needs could be met. And he's trying to save this child. And while it's untouchable, you know, in Hinduism, you're supposed to let karma play out. You know, Hinduism, the one of the basic propositions of Hinduism, you don't help people. Because if you help people, you're messing with the program. Because the program is, if they're an untouchable or one of the lower caste people, that's because they did something really bad in previous life. They might even come back as a monkey. And they're being punished for what they did in their previous life. And so if you help them, you're messing with the program. They need to experience the punishment. Well, he was trying to save this untouchable child. And a Hindu Brahmin priest came up. Up, pulled out his sword and took that child's head off. Right there. And two unexpected things happened. Well, the next thing wasn't unexpected. Kemper Crab pointed at that man and said to him, You are going to where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And the first unexpected thing happened. The man died right there at his feet. Poof! Didn't expect it that quick. And then the second unexpected thing happened is he, Jesus gave him a vision of himself holding that murdered child on his lap. Bra- you know, Brahmins are worshipped. They're gods in Hinduism. They are worshipped. And here's an untouchable child. Which one found itself in the lap of Jesus? The untouchable child, which one finds finds himself in the lake of fire? The God, who was also a murderer. There is no partiality with him. Whatever the environment is, You walk in that environment according to the provision that God makes for you. Now, the next portion is verses 10 through 20 of how to do spiritual warfare. We don't have the time to give this portion justice. Let me just give you a quick summary, but for the full lesson next Sunday. We've gone from the environment that requires us to walk in love. We need to be servants of one another and of others. We need to walk in the light, need, need to walk in wisdom. As a body of Christ, as a congregation, we need to be servants of one another. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents. 
fathers treat those children properly so that they don't have reason for anger because of unjust treatment. Masters, servants, in that environment, here's what you do. But as we lift our eyes, we look around at the larger environment, what is it? Can I say we live in a wicked world? You know, we have a Marine right here. We've got a Marine right here. We've got a uh, Navy medic there. We've got an Army guy, a soldier right here. We've got people with all kinds of military backgrounds. We've got a soldier right here. Why, what does the military do? It fights our visible enemies. But every single one of us has been drafted into another army another organization and those who are servants of Jesus Christ are on the battle line like it or not the problem is some don't like being there pretend they're not there and they're the weak spots in the line of battle Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And next week, as Paul lays out every aspect of what is provided in each of these armor. By the way, as Paul writes this letter, he is under house arrest. Is what we see at the close of the book of Acts is what the environment Paul is writing from. He's under house arrest in Rome, and he's chained day and night to a Roman soldier. Now, I doubt that they're in full armor <laughs> ready for battle, but this is giving him the picture that he needs. Ladies and gentlemen, you do have an enemy. And he purposes your destruction. And he actually purposes to bring destruction to others through you if you aren't doing your job in the battle line. And so we need to be putting on the whole armor of God. We need to stand equipped and not only have the equipment, but make use of it in the appropriate way. Because if you do that, as we're going to see next week, <clears throat> what did success look like in an ancient battlefield where you've got a line of men here with shields, and you've got a line of men opposing them with shields. What, how can you tell who won at the end of the day? It's the men who were still standing on the battle, still standing. They haven't turned their back and run. And at the end of the day, they are plant, able to plant their shield and lean on the top of their shield and catch their breath. That's how you know who the winner is because the losers aren't, standing there catching their breath they're still running and the cavalry is in hot pursuit finishing them off how can we be those who at the end of the day can be <sighs> leaning on the top of our shield having done all still standing that's what we will see next week Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we do have enemies. Number one, ourselves. 
not being destroyed by our own fallen nature. We have people around us that we have to deal with who aren't following you, who aren't obeying you. Obviously, some are worse than others. So we are our, we are our own enemies. We have people around us, but most of all, as we will see and dwell on next week, we have in the invisible realm enemies that absolutely purpose our destruction. We ask that you'd help us to walk in obedience to what you show us. We thank you for what you have disclosed to us. And we ask that this next seven days we will walk according to what you've told us. And again, Lord, we pray for Mitchell that you will meet his needs to get himself back with his vehicle running properly and be able to reach his destination. But Lord, we pray for that for all of us. We all have a destination and we all need to get our vehicles, get ourselves into the order we need to be in to continue to proceed properly. We ask that you would enable us to walk in that. We ask this of you, mighty King Shepherd Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.